0: May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Okay, here's how the world works. This won't be any surprise to any of you. People love the people who love them, and we shun and marginalize and despise and maybe even hate our enemies. That's just how it goes. Archaeologists have discovered and and we've discovered this is nothing new, what we experience now, but archaeologists have discovered cursed tablets among ancient ruins. They're small pieces of tin or bronze with prayers inscribed on them to the gods. Interesting thing about these prayers is that they ask for vengeance to be taken out on their enemies. Here's a good example of one. Honoratus to the holy god Mercury. I complain to your divinity that I have lost two wheels and four cows and many small belongings for my house. I would ask the genius of your divinity that you do not allow health to the person who has done me wrong, nor allow him to lie or sit or drink or eat, whether he is man or woman, whether boy or girl, whether slave or free, unless he brings my property to me and is reconciled with me. With renewed prayers, I ask your divinity that my petition may immediately make me vindicated by your majesty. Good news is, we don't do anything like that anymore, right? (laughs) Be loyal to friends, oppose your enemies. And it's been this way, time immemorial. And then Jesus of Nazareth comes along and says you have heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you pray for them that you may be children of your father in heaven if you love those who love you what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that and if you greet only your own people What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus seems to think there's nothing terribly exceptional about loving the people who love us already. He says that the most despised people of the day, the tax collectors, do that. The bottom rung, those are the lowest of the low uh, in terms of the people what the people who were listening to Jesus would think of, who they would think of. And he says the tax collectors do that, so that's no big deal for you to do, to love someone who loves you. Now that sounds a little tough from Jesus, but then he cranks it up a notch when he says, love your enemies, and then this phrase, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So you want to be part of Jesus' family? What's the answer? Love your enemies. It's not like what you might see on a job posting, college degree preferred but not required. There are no options here. Mm -hmm. The identity marker that sets us apart from everyone else in the world is loving our enemies. Now, right at the heart of all this is forgiveness. Forgiveness for the enemy. Forgiveness for the one we thought was a friend. Forgiveness that looks like what Jesus said about his enemies when he was hanging on the cross. And that's not an easy thing to do because our normal way of thinking, remember, is to love those who love us and despise those who do not. Well, naturally, Peter has a question for Jesus. Lord, how many times? How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? It's pretty good, Peter. He doesn't tell us what he's thinking of, what sort of offense is on his mind, if it was a grievous sin or a minor one. So Jesus' response wasn't a response taking that into consideration it wasn't according to the type of offense that needed to be forgiven. Might be easy to forgive someone that does something small to us, right? But I'll be honest, I have noticed something about human nature. Have you ever noticed how our anger towards the person who's hurt us is vastly disproportionate to the sin that they've committed against us? Probably not for you. Maybe this is just me. For example, how do we respond to the person who drives 10 miles an hour under the speed limit in the left-hand lane? Which is a grievous sin, by the way. Is our anger toward them in proportion to their sin against us? It is not. See, for Jesus... How deeply we've been hurt isn't the issue. Forgiveness is the issue for Jesus. Are you waiting for me to offer some disclaimers how we can feel better about this? I mean, how many times should I go on forgiving someone who does me wrong? What if I know they don't really mean it? Ever experienced that? They haven't asked me for forgiveness yet. Why should I grant it? And Jesus says to Peter, and to us, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some English English translations say 77 times, and others say 70 times 7. But the point really is moot because it's just a way of saying quantity isn't the issue the severity of the offense of the offense and the frequency of the offense are not determining factors in whether we grant forgiveness at least not in Jesus' eyes and here's where things get particularly tough to take and a little annoying because I'm sure you can think right now of the person who has really hurt you. The offense might be minor or it might be a big deal. And it's tearing you up inside. And Jesus' message to all of us in the middle of that hurt is the same. Forgive and keep on forgiving from your heart over and over and over and over again. I know what you're thinking. That is madness. No one person should be forced to do that. You don't know what they've done to me. This is crazy. And I would say, yes, it kind of is. And it's the same crazy thing that God does for us in Jesus. This is why people struggle so much to hear the message of the gospel. They can't buy the fact that someone would be offered forgiveness who doesn't deserve it. We call that the scandal of the grace of God. Do you see the irony of being a Christian and forgiving only when someone earns it? We say We're forgiven by God's amazing grace that we don't deserve, and yet we only want to forgive the person who deserves to be forgiven. And we've all been wounded deeply, haven't we? And those wounds can be big. Somebody came to me once and said a close friend of hers was going through deep waters with her husband. Apparently he'd been having multiple affairs for many years. No, sorry. No, I want this marriage to work. No, I'll do what it takes to make it right. Just, yep, that's the way it is. And my friend said to me, forgiveness is not on my radar right now. I just want to shoot him. And I thought, well, I know a guy in East Portland. You know, maybe we could work something out there. I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it. With those deep hurts from a parent, a friend, a husband. It may take a while before we get there, but there's no doubt what Jesus tells us to do. Forgive just as I have forgiven you. That kind of Christ-like, what he does for us kind of forgiveness. Now, forgive doesn't mean condone, forget, excuse, or overlook. It means that we determine to love that person like God loves them and we, we refuse to hate and allow bitterness and anger to consume our souls and our actions. Doesn't mean we're suddenly naive and dumb people that people can just walk all over. God isn't naive when He consistently forgives us. It means that love is dominating and guiding our relationship and our view of that other person. And I realize there are all sorts of nuances to every individual situation. But right now, we're talking about a heart that's always moving toward and living in forgiveness for every offense committed. Now, Jesus takes this more seriously than we could ever imagine. And to make the point, he tells us the story of the unmerciful servant. Some English translations say 10,000 talents of gold. One talent amounted to about 6,000 denarii, and the average daily wage in that time was one denarius a day. So it would take an average person 6,000 days to earn just one talent. And this servant owed 10,000 talents. Some experts believe the comparable dollar amount for today would be well over $1 billion. The debt owed was astronomical, and this servant was in no position to ever pay back the king. And in an extraordinary act of mercy, the king just cancels the debt. Just cancels it. He didn't consider what was fair. He didn't think about what the servant deserved. He didn't consider how much he had paid back on the loan and for how long. He didn't ask who else in his kingdom might deserve the money. He just canceled the debt. And here we learn a bit about the heart of the king, right? It's an unpayable debt. And this silly servant says, I'll pay you back. I'll earn your grace. I'll deserve your forgiveness. And the king says, no, because if you did, it wouldn't be grace. It wouldn't be forgiveness. No, your enormous unpayable debt is canceled. And this is what God does. It's what God does for us, what God does for you. And maybe that's something you've never experienced before. But that, that is what God has done for you in Jesus. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He owed the king 600,000 times more than his fellow servant owed him. It's not an insignificant amount, mind you, but it was nothing compared to what he owed the king. So what does he do? Not only did he require payment from the other servant, but he was brutally harsh toward him, throwing him into prison. Aren't you appalled? You should be. But didn't he have a right to get his money by the law? Isn't this the law that if you don't pay back your debt, you should face the consequences? But something needles at us anyway. Something makes us feel awkward and squirm because he behaved this way. Well, it is more than awkward for Jesus. Because the king's punishment of the unmerciful servant far exceeded what he had done to his fellow servant who owed him so little. scares me a bit. And then, sweet baby Jesus, meek and mild, gives the point and the application of the story. He doesn't always do this. He does here. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. A lot of people ask, what does Jesus mean when he says that? I think he means this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I think he takes the whole forgiveness thing pretty seriously. By denying forgiveness to others, we are really saying they're unworthy of God's forgiveness. They don't deserve it. And when we do that, according to Jesus, we are unconsciously making ourselves unworthy of being forgiven. For unless we forgive, our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. We said it already tonight. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive others. Who have sinned against us. I told you it'd be tough, right? I don't have all the answers to all the questions running through your minds right now, but I know for sure that I do not want to be the unmerciful servant. Some of you will know the story of Mary Johnson and O'Shea Israel. As a 16-year-old gang member. Oshea shot and killed Mary's only son. Of course, grief in Mary as to be expected, turned to anger, which turned to bitterness and sometimes rage. But God started softening her heart, and Mary says that God told her, quote, "You need to repent of what you said about him, and you need to pray for him." I'm sure she was not pleased when she got that message from God. That would have been difficult enough, but then in 2005, she said that God compelled her to see O'Shea face to face. And as she looked in the eyes of the man who took her son's life, she said this, quote, Look, I told you in court that I forgave you, but today, from the bottom of my heart... I want you to know that I forgive you. And O'Shea said, Ma'am, how can you do that? And Mary said, Because of who is in me. See, if there's hope for Mary Johnson to forgive, then there's hope for us too. Because it's really not about what you and I can do. When the love of God fills our hearts, it spills out and even drips on our enemies. So I would say to you, come to him. If you're doing your best to follow him and you struggle to forgive, come to him again today. Come to this table in faith and in prayer, believing that he is your only hope. He will give you nourishment. And what He said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. That, by His Spirit, can get inside of you. And as it finds root in your heart and begins to overflow, you too can be released like Mary Johnson to be children of our Heavenly Father. Thanks be to God.